I'm going to invite you to just allow that truth to pour over you, that there is no amount of untruth that can separate you from God. The reality is, and we've been talking about this for a couple weeks, that ultimately spiritual warfare, ultimately the weapons of the enemies is lies that are shot at us. These lies that are spoken to us in our minds and our hearts throughout our day that are targeted at separating us from God. And so in this moment, as we talk about rejoicing in the simple gospel, I want you to first grab hold of one of those lies that has just been festering in your life. One of these untruths that has been placed in your heart and in your mind that is driving a wedge to separate you from God. And so I just want you to capture that lie. Maybe it's that you're not good enough. Maybe it's that you're unlovable. Maybe it's you're a bad parent or a bad child. Maybe it's that you'll never amount to anything. But just name that lie in the presence of a holy God. you to speak truth to that lie. That you are so loved that the God of the universe came down, took on flesh and made himself killable to be with you. That you are worth that much. That nothing that you could do or not do, no place you have ever gone or not gone could separate you from that love. And that's the truth of the simple gospel that we rejoice in this morning. Father God, it is so easy to let the enemy deceive us. It is so easy to let those lies allow us to begin to step away from you. But this morning in your holy presence, we charge through the gates and we find that you are right in front of us with your arms open, holding us, loving us, accepting us, and rejoicing in us. And so, Father God, we want to rejoice in you. We want to rejoice in what you have done, what you are doing, and what you will do in our lives. And so, Father God, we lay down all of the untruths, we pick ourselves up out of the dust because you did it first. stand in your presence. And so, Father God, would you be here with us? Would you speak truth that we so desperately long to hear? Would you refresh us and awaken us, recreate us into the people you have called us to be? We pray all of these things in your holy and your presence, precious name. Amen. Amen. Guys, I just want to invite you that if you have kiddos and you need to drop them off into class, that you can go ahead and do that. But otherwise, I'm going to invite you to just have a seat now in your, in, in, wherever it is that you are. If you're not sure um, where your kiddo is supposed to go, we have a um, greeter outside. Teresa's out there, and she can help you out with that. 
In addition to that, uh, if you're at a table where you are by yourself or you're at a table where you uh, have, you came with just those people, I'm gonna invite you to move to a table so you can engage with and talk with somebody else who you may not know or at least who you didn't drive here with. Um, if you are someone who's been here for a while, I'm gonna say you're the one that should move because you're fam more familiar with this place. So then it's not a standoff. Yes, you have to move. Oh, you and Christine, you didn't drive here together. You're fine. You're good. You're good. <laughs> I'm going to give you a chance to just go ahead and introduce yourself to the people at your table. Let them know who you are. Share your name, where you're from. <clears throat> All right, we'll go ahead and bring it back whole group. Uh, for those of you who are here for the first time, I will share, uh, this is not normally how we have the chairs set up. Although I guess like, I don't know, probably, we do sometimes set the chairs up this way, right? It's becoming more and more frequent. Um, but we're in the middle of a series uh, called Beyond Entertaining, and it's about engaging the practice of hospitality. Now at first blush, like you might think that this series isn't as important as the 10 week series we just finished on the book of Ephesians, right? Um, you might be like, that was much more heady and theological and all of those sorts of things. But in reality, as we talked about last week and what we, what we discussed last week is that the practice of hospitality is and has always been an incredibly important organizing principle and value of the kingdom of God. So it's not like second class or we're doing a light Sunday, right? This is deep theological work when we're doing when we talk about hospitality. We talked about last week how in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus refers to himself saying that the Son of Man came eating and drinking. This was one of the ways that he described himself, aka his message for establishing the heavenly kingdom here on earth was not through military power or democracy or the sequestering of material wealth. Instead, it was eating and drinking with people at a table, right? That's how he established his kingdom. That was one of the ways he established his kingdom here on earth. He opened his table and he shared it with any and everyone who would join him. And so much of what, um, much of what, uh, so when Jesus chose a symbol of what his reconciling and redeeming work would be, he didn't necessarily choose a cross, right? We talked about how Jesus actually chose a table. He chose the bread and the cup to symbolize the work that he had done here on earth and his love that he has for us that Jesus invites us to come sit at the table with him and meet him, that he took on flesh and made himself killable so that we could sit at the table with him. It was the most important priority to him. And because of that, we're taking the season to sort of practice reorienting our lives and calendars around the practice of hospitality. So we've been challenging ourselves to sort of have three hospitality moments each week. And we kind of similarly, by the word eat, right? They're trying to eat with three people per week, but they're really hospitality moments. 
We're saying, listen, we want one of those people to be somebody from inside the congregation, one of those people to be somebody outside the congregation, and the third person that can be whoever, inside, outside, doesn't matter, right? And we um, are going to go ahead and we're going to take some time at your tables to start by just sharing about those experiences, right, that you had this week. Now, if you're like, wait, I just stepped in today. That's okay. You can, like, share about one that you had, even if it wasn't a part of the series. You didn't know that you were doing it intentionally. But if you're like, ooh, I didn't. Like, <laughs> that did not happen. I didn't do that. That's okay, too, right? There's no shame in any of these things. And we're just going to remind ourselves that there's no need to lie about any of this, right? And the reason we don't need to lie is because we're a part of this new humanity in Christ, that we were brought here by a God that had to die for us, which means we're pretty messed up and pretty wrecked. So like, there's no need to now lie about the fact that like, oh wait, I didn't extend hospitality. That's that You don't need to do that. That's fine. We're in this process of practicing this together, reorienting our lives, and that is a really good thing. So at your table, this is what you're going to do. You're going to take some time and you're going to talk about these three questions. Uh, chances are you're not going to get through all three of them. So you can kind of pick and choose which one or ones you'd like to talk about. But you're going to share about a hospitality moment that you had this week. Um, Again, it could be eating at a table with somebody, but it's really just this sharing your life with somebody else, right? Uh, one, what was harder than you expected? Two, what was easier than you expected? And three, what was surprising? All right, so at your tables, go ahead and take an opportunity to share about your hospitality moments this week. Go.
I'm going to give you one more minute. All right, we'll go ahead and bring it back, whole group. You'll have a chance to discuss some more things in just a little bit. All right. I want to tell you a story. It's not a, from a hospitality moment that happened this past week. It actually happened maybe a year and a half, maybe two years ago. Uh, we had a new family in the congregation that was planning on coming over to our house. They'd never been over to our house before. We were just going to have some tea with them, and they were bringing their kids over. And I was um, normally like that's old hat for me, like that's fine. Uh, if I'm gonna have somebody over, that's not a huge deal. Um, or we'll meet somewhere else if I have feelings about meeting them in my house. But it was fine, we invited them over and it wasn't a big deal until about 30 minutes before they were supposed to be there. And all of a sudden, there was this hospitality monster that roared up inside of me. And I don't know if you're familiar with this hospitality monster, but it's the one that drives you to go and clean your entire house before somebody comes. and at at one point, uh, Zach stopped me uh, when I said, Zach, come here. Zach's my husband. But I was like, Zach, come here. Help me move the couch. And I started rearranging the furniture in the living room, like within 15 minutes of them arriving. And he was like, what are you, what are you, like, what are you, you don't normally do, like, what are you doing? And I was like, I don't know. But like, he, oh, what he asked was, do we have to do this right now? And my answer was, yes, yes, of course we have to do this right now. But I really didn't know why. Um, now, there's nothing wrong with wanting to have a tidy and clean house like before somebody comes over. That, that is not the issue. What happened was is that all of a sudden, out of nowhere, there was this like this swelling feeling inside of me that just was like, you have to have everything perfect. You have to have everything clean. I was won over by this hospitality monster that said that my house needed to look a certain way and that I needed to have like plancy, fancy place settings, which like, if you know me, that is not who I am at all. And yet all of a sudden I'm looking for a nice tablecloth. Like I don't, again, that doesn't mean anything if you don't know me, but that is weird. Um, but I had this thing in my mind that the person coming over, like I wanted them to see me in the best light possible. Possible. I wanted them to look at me and be impressed with my house and my stuff and my children and the food that had been laid out. Like I just, I wanted them to like, just uh, give, like when they came in the house, if they had said, ah, oh, Beth is awesome. Beth has arrived. Beth does all of this effortlessly. Like I think I would have been very well pleased, right? And that's what that hospitality monster does inside of me sometimes. And perhaps some of you, if not all of you, can relate to that in different ways. Maybe it's not having a nice, tidy, clean house. Maybe there's some other aspect of that, right? But it, it, as we embark on this journey to engage in hospitality, sometimes that hospitality monster like, is not far behind us. And it says, this is your chance 
to prove your value and your worth. This is your chance to like win them over and win accolades and power and credit. This is your chance to be seen by these people. So don't mess it up. Now, I hope that as I've shared that, like I'm not the only one that relates to that in some times. But what this hospitality monster is trying to get us to believe is that hospitality is about the position of uh, the, about the position that showing hospitality might put us in, that we might receive power and accolades by showing hospitality, that we might receive recognition and value from the other person. And the reality is, is that's a really tame version of what hospitality is and what it does. Hospitality is so much bigger than that. It's bigger than showing off your wealth or your space or making sure everyone has a good time. That's just entertaining people. But hospitality is not about how people see you. It's about the opportunity to see others. More specifically, it's about the opportunity to see Jesus in others. When Jesus talks about kingdom hospitality, it actually has nothing to do with making sure people like see you for all that you are. It's about seeing others, more specifically about seeing Jesus in others. In Matthew 25, Jesus tells this parable about the sheep and the goats. Perhaps you're familiar with it. And it actually is and was this pivotal story in helping us understand what this practice of Christian hospitality and kingdom hospitality is all about. If you have your Bibles or your app or whatever, you can open them to Matthew 25. We're going to be reading in verse 31. All right. Jesus tells this story. He begins to speak and he says, when the son of man comes in his glory, remember we talked about that title. It's the title. People gave Jesus all sorts of titles, but the son of man is the title that Jesus uses to refer to himself. It's this title that's from the book of Daniel saying like, hey, when I'm the king over all of the nations, that's the son of man. So when the son of man, the king of all the nations, when the son of man comes in his glory and all of the angels with him, he will Sit on his glorious throne, and all of the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Now, in our modern understanding of how this separation might happen, like if we're not reading ahead, if we don't already know the story, we might think, well, the people who were separated to join God in his kingdom and separating the people who didn't join God in his kingdom, we might think that that was separated by like who you voted for, your political party, whether you're pro-guns or against guns or pro-abortion or against abortion, whatever the thing is. But these are not the issues that Jesus brings to the surface when he says we are going to separate them. Instead, what Jesus says is like this division happens. Who showed me hospitality? Who showed hospitality? And so the king separates them and, and he separates them like he, a shepherd would shep, separate the sheep on one side and the goats on the other. And then Jesus continues to tell the parable in verse 34. He says, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. You come into the kingdom. Come be a part of this. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. 
Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, wait a second. When did we see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you something to drink? When, when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? And the king will reply to them, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. The crazy thing about this parable that, that Jesus tells is that he then continues the parable and he says that he turns to the other group, right? The other people on the left. And he says a similar thing, but the complete opposite thing. He says, listen, you didn't feed me. Like, you're not entering the kingdom because you didn't feed me. You didn't give me something to drink. You didn't clothe me. You didn't look after me. You didn't visit me. And the people say the same thing as that first group. They say, wait, when did I see you? I didn't, I didn't see you in any of those spaces. I never encountered you. And Jesus says that the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. Now, what's really crazy about this passage is that the two groups that are separated respond in really similar ways. Both of them say, wait a second, Lord, when did we see you? Like, we never saw you. We never saw you. And the connection between the particular needy persons that needed help and Jesus comes as a total surprise to both groups. Both groups are like, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a second. That was you? That I... I didn't see you. That was you. Now, I want you to imagine for a second that somebody knocks on your door and Jesus is standing there. I want you to imagine the person across from you or a chair across from you. And I want you to imagine that Jesus is sitting there at your table with you. Imagine that for a second. Oftentimes, if we imagine for a second that when we open the door to somebody or we sit down with somebody, we imagine that that is actually Jesus, I think we would do some things differently. Now, some of us might say, yeah, I'd clean my house a lot better, right? I'd make the meal even more extravagant. And maybe you would, but but you have to remember, it's not because you think that you would get more clout or more recognition or more power or more worth or more value by being more extravagant or more clean, right? In Christ, like let's remember what it means to be in Christ. In Christ, you have all the power of the Holy Spirit, of the resurrection in you already because you trust in Christ. You have all the worth and the love that is possible for a holy God to lavish upon you. So there is no more clean house that can get you more value. There is no more extravagant meal that can make you like more powerful in Christ. None of those things change. You already have all of it, right? Christ loves you so much that he already died and rose for you. There is no more recognition, no more value, no more worth that Christ can give you because he's given it all to you. So how would we respond differently if Jesus was knocking at our door or he was sitting across from us? 
Instead, what would shift is that our perspective of the person sitting across from us would fundamentally change. The person across from us, like imagine for a second that the person across from you has the image of God in them. They do. That God is already at work in his or her life. He is. And as a host, you have the opportunity to listen and see what God might be doing or saying through him or her. That in that person you are hosting, God is bringing himself into our house. God is bringing himself to sit at our table when we show hospitality to another. And if we would stop trying to get them to recognize us and see us and praise us, and instead for a second begin to try to recognize Jesus in them, that Jesus is doing something in our midst. Imagine how the tables will begin to turn. Imagine how we might experience the kingdom of God in the very spaces where we live, work, play, and eat, right? So often we're concerned about how we look when we're showing hospitality. But Jesus is waiting to be seen in the person sitting across from us. So how do we do this? Like, how do we practice this in a real, real practical and tangible ways? I'm going to give you my secret. <laughs> you ask questions, and then you listen well to the answer. You listen for Jesus and the kingdom in the answer. Now, some of us, are, this comes, the idea of asking questions and listening comes a lot more easily than others. And so I'm going to give you a little trick that will help you figure out, I don't know how to ask questions. I don't know how to do this well. Like I sit across from somebody or somebody comes into my house and I'm all of a sudden like, I don't know what to say. So I just talk about me. <laughs> I'm going to give you a trick that I learned several years ago that might help you. And it's to ask questions about where somebody is from. And this is actually an acronym. I think I've talked about this before, actually. So you ask questions about what they're, see, from. What are their favorites? What's your favorite food? Where's your favorite restaurant? What's your favorite holiday? All sorts of favorites. And you get to know them. And you begin to listen. Where is Jesus in this? How can I connect to the story? Who are they? Right? You can ask about their relationships. Do you have a family? Where are your parents from? Where'd you grow up? All of those different relationships. You ask about their occupation. And if they're a student, that is their occupation, being a student, right? Who's your favorite teacher? Where did you work? My favorite question to ask. Oh, about occupations. This is just a side note. Um, asking somebody where they work can often be a triggering question, particularly for stay-at-home parents. Um, sometimes, uh, or uh, retired adults, there's lots of different people that that is a triggering word. Where do you work? Well, I, I, will you validate my work? Um, asking, how do you spend your days? That can be a great question. How do, you, how do you spend your days? And then if it goes into work, another great question, did you choose that occupation or did you fall into it? Those are fascinating stories, right? Another one, what are your memories? What, what is your best birthday memory? <laughs> What's your best Christmas memory? Do you have a memory of when you were young, right? These are just 
some really quick ways that when you get stuck and you're like, I don't know how to listen. I don't know what to ask. I don't know what to do. This is a real simple, like, you got this list. You could probably talk to somebody for six hours just based on questions from here. Okay? Um, that's just a really quick side note of what does this look like to listen well and ask questions well. Now, we're going to practice um, listening to Jesus in the stories of the people at our table um, this morning. We're going to take actually the rest of our time to do that. Uh, on your table, there's a stack of cards. One of those stack of cards that says solarium on it. If you want to turn over that stack of cards, you'll notice that there's pictures on every single one of those cards, and you can just lay them out across the whole table. Now, this is always interesting to me because some of the people begin to stack them in a grid, and other people are like, spready, 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 and neither way is wrong. Yep, I see who the spreaders are, and I see who the grid people are. <laughs> some of you are spreaders, and you're driving the grid people crazy because they're not in control right now. <laughs> All right? And so you're going to spread them out all over the table. Okay. All right, good. So spread out all those pictures. All right, you can go ahead and take a look at those pictures. Now there's another stack of cards that has a number on it. There's the number one. You can keep those face down. That has uh, each one of those cards has a question on it. And you are just one at a time. You're just going to pick up one question at a time. Let everybody go. And if you have time, you can go to the next one. I wanted to allow each table to go at their own pace, so I didn't want to put the questions up here. I also didn't want to give you all the questions all at once. But the goal is not to get through all questions. The goal is to listen to each other's story and to practice hearing Jesus in their story. And your goal as an answerer is to just be honest. Like, you don't have to try to manipulate your story to be like, here's the Jesus-y answer. You're just going to be honest about what it is. And we're going to just practice, like, listening to one another's stories in all of this, okay? So you can go ahead. Uh, you can flip up the first card. And the can somebody read the first card? We won't do this for every card, but Christina, can you just read the first card loud? Okay, so at your table, you're going to pick one of the images, and you can pick the same image somebody else does. Like, once you pick that one, that doesn't mean, you know, that one's off limits for other people. But you're going to pick that image, wait for everyone to pick their image, and then you're going to go around and you're going to share why you picked that image. When you're done, you'll go to the next question. Everybody got it? Great, great.
It's not a race. I'm going gonna... <laughs> to give you two more minutes to wrap up whichever question you're currently on. All right? Continue. All right, 30 more seconds. All right, let's go ahead and come back whole group. Let's go ahead and come back whole group. I know that you guys could probably continue sharing all day. There's something compelling about sharing stories when it, and using images to do that. Um, and I don't know how many of you got through all of the cards and some of you probably camped out on the first or second one and either way, that is completely fine. But there is something about letting go, when it comes to hospitality, letting go of the concern of how other people may or may not see us as host and reorienting ourselves and our lives and our time together to begin to listen deeply to how the image of Jesus is being represented by the person that we are welcoming. And so this week, as we engage again in the rhythm of hospitality, my challenge is to you, that as you have these three hospitality moments, that you would challenge yourself to sort of kill the hospitality monster that wants to rear its head and say, this is about you and people seeing you. And instead, reorient yourself to say, no, this is about me being able to see Jesus in the stories that are shared in the lives of the other people that are sitting around the table, that we might begin to listen closely to the stories that people are telling us and ask good questions. The thing that amazes me is that Jesus was this man who had absolutely nothing and yet was incredibly generous. And he was a man that didn't have a house and yet he was incredibly hospitable. 
because ultimately hospitality isn't about our material possessions. It's about sharing our lives with each other. And Jesus shared all of his life with us so that we could sit at a table with him and with each other. And so my prayer is that um, as you engaged in this activity, perhaps you began to see just little glimpses of Christ in the people you were sitting with, in his story and what he said. And so um, I'm going to invite you to actually pray with the people that are at the table. Um, pray that they might begin to see Christ in those that they host this week. Um, that Christ may be known through their story. Um, that we might be gathered together as a body of believers. So I'm going to invite you to pray at your tables. And then we're going to sing one more song together in response to this God who has crossed heaven and earth to be with us. All right, go ahead and pray at your table.